The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 2, Episode 10. That's no my business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wind Was a Beginning. I am your host, Justin, and... As always, I have my good friend Stephen with me as well. Stephen, say hello to everybody. Hello! And we hope that you guys are ready to talk more Wheel of Time. But before we get into that, Stephen, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Um, Yeah. You know, it was a nice, relaxing weekend for a change. Um, So, starting off a week strong, and it's going good. Awesome, awesome. You mentioned relaxing, man. I'm getting ready for some relaxing. Uh, I'm going on vacation next week. Uh, don't worry, listeners, you'll still get an episode next week. Uh, <laughs> we just, uh, we won't be recording, but we'll have a little bit of a, uh, we, we got a little bit of a, a few episodes in the, in the can already. So, uh, we're not going to miss anything from us, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a little bit of relaxing and not doing much of anything. And, uh, other than that, um, I have to confess something. I'm, I'm watching baseball as we're recording. Uh, so <laughs> it's, a, it's, Shock it's, and awe. it's an important, it's an important game. I, I don't want to miss it. I, I, I'm not really probably going to be paying much attention to it, but, uh, I, I know this as soon as we get off the, uh, off the mic, I will be, uh, I will be back in the living room watching the game. If it's still going, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, listeners, you're not here to hear us talk about baseball or vacations or, weekends or anything like that you're here for us to talk about the wheel of time and in particular the second book of the wheel of time the great hunt and this week we are discussing chapters 27 through 29 so if you haven't read those yet go ahead and hit the pause button and go and do that and then we'll be here when you get back all right are we ready to dive in i think so all right well that means we are starting In chapter 27, the shadow in the night, hunted and herded by Trollocs, Rand and Loyal find themselves on the outskirts of the foregate, when they're suddenly joined by Selene, of all people. Seeking refuge in an Illuminator chapter house, they manage to escape, but not before causing a little bit of mayhem. Then Selene mysteriously disappears again, only for Rand to find a note from her waiting back at the end. Um, I think I said end. You did, it but was, it's cool. It was back at the end. <laughs> Sorry about that, but you know what? I'm going to leave that in there. Uh, <laughs> what is the end of the chapter? It was the so end okay. of the chapter. Exactly. That's right. But, uh, but but before we get to the end of the chapter, maybe we should go back to the beginning of the chapter with yeah. uh, Rand and Loyal uh, heading back to, what was the name of their inn? The uh, Defender of the Dragon Wall? I believe that's it. Yeah. they're heading have- They're heading back there from the Bunch of Grapes. Loyal is uh, kind of bent out of shape about this dice game uh, that was going so well until Dina showed up. 
And Rand is focused on pretty much everything else. Yeah. Uh, but not so much on what's right in front of him. Right? Right. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we talked about these parades and, like, stuff that was going on when they entered the city. Right. And so Jordan here has kind of set you up to miss this. <laughs> uh, just like Rand does. And, uh, and I have to say, I missed it. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is, you know, I, I read, I, I read the chapters twice, at least, in preparation for, for, for each episode. I read, I just read through the chapters once, just sit down and read through them all. And then I go back and read again and take notes. And as I was reading it the second time, it, it hit me. I realized this is an empty, abandoned street. And here comes one of these, supposedly one of these parade floats. How did I not see it? <laughs> uh, but I didn't. The first time I didn't. But then knowing what was coming, it uh, it stood out to me. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't see it. Rand didn't see it. Uh, Loyal saw it. Um, you know, it was a little too little too late, but yeah. he did kind of figure it out. Um, but yeah, there's Trollocs in the foregate. They're dark friends in the foregate. And, yeah. uh, kind of gets us into a little, a, a little scuffle. Yeah. Here. Before we, we move into that, I did want to mention real quick, it's interesting Rand's reaction. Um, we're just kind of seeing some of that training with Lan, I think, mm. drilling into him for about two months. Yeah. That he just reacts by instinct at this yeah. point. And, and just and, like, shaboom! Yeah, <laughs> and, the and I mean, barely, barely any effort, you know, and and, yeah. and this Trolloc is, is down. So, yeah. yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, But uh, not everything is working in, in Rand's favor, is it? No, it is definitely not. Uh, you know, he he's all over the place, honestly. That's His true. mind is everywhere. He's not focused. And because of that, you know, he's off. Think He's already, he kills the one Trolloc and he lets his guard down. And he starts, you know, saying how they have to get back and all this stuff. And then he doesn't even see the fact that there's a tro another Trolloc coming at him. Yeah. The f until the Trolloc basically has him in a, like a chokehold. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I say like when I, when I was reading through, when I was reading that the first time and, you know, started mention about Ran, like feeling this broad arm wrap around him. I kind of thought that Loyal was about to pick him up and like football carry him back, yeah, then you back to the end. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, Loyal came through though. Yes. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's let's talk a little bit more about Rand. What what's going on with Rand when during this this skirmish? So he is you know he gets caught because he's fighting against Sidine because he he goes into the void when he's fighting the first Trolloc, when he whips out the sword and goes yeah. into attack. And then he's afraid because we in the void he finds Sidine waiting for him. And so he basically scares himself out of the void, and that's when the other Trolloc sneaks up and grabs him. And then at that point, he's trying to fight to get Sidine. And Sidine ain't having it. <laughs> uh, 
you know, he's give, he's grasping for the power for the source, and all he's getting is taint. Okay. Which is an interesting thing, because this is the first time we really had it mentioned clearly that the Dark One's taint is touching him hmm. whenever he's trying to, to, te- to take the source. Okay. Uh, in so many words. This is the first real encounter where he is conscious of it, and he's he, explaining it to us. Yeah, he's 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 more aware of what's happening than he has been before. Yeah, and yeah. as such, so are we. So it. But, but with Sidine, you can't have it both ways. You're either in or you're out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and thankfully he does have loyal there with him. Otherwise, yeah. we'd have a. Uh, one dead that, Rand. I say that'd be that'd be the end of the book. End of, end of yep. the story. You know, written and directed by Robert Jordan. Um, I guess not directed, but <laughs> um, but yeah, loyal. You know, he he really came through. And man, it was it was awesome. Like I I could see it playing out in my head. Loyal basically, you know, he he was wrestling with this trollic. Yeah, and you know. Flung him into a wall, I guess breaking its neck. Yeah, and, and he was—he he wasn't too happy about that. No, this is um, there's kind of a loss of something here for Loyal. You know, yeah. this is his first time killing, and he doesn't like it. He, he said, "You know, even a trollic is hard for him." It's interesting too. You know, we we get the idea of Loyal as kind of this like gentle giant type. Right. Um, this is the first time we really get any kind of a gauge of his actual strength compared to a, tr- like, Trollocs are monsters and Loyal just bare hands one. Lo- Loyal was able to wrestle with one and win. Yeah. But I, I really do, I feel for Loyal in that moment that, you know, having that, ha- having to deal with that, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Uh, you know, one thing I guess I'll say in his in his favor is, you know, he recognizes that it had to be done. Yeah. You know, he, he knew that it had to be done, but that doesn't mean he has to be happy about it. No. And, uh, I guess in a way, fortunately for Will, he doesn't have time to get lost in his thoughts about it either, because as soon as that one's down, there's more coming. That's the thing (laughs) is, you know, they're, they're trying, they ran kind of, I think it's ran kind of susses out that, you know, the reason they were attacked here is Pat and Fane, doesn't want people to see the Trollocs. That's why they had them hidden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to just get back somewhere where there's a crowd of people, but they can't do it because everywhere they turn, there's Trollocs or Dark Friends. So I, I'm I'm wondering, you know, where, where, was this an organized effort or did the Trollocs just get lucky? Mm, I think it's organized by the Dark yeah. Friends. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like they're hurting them. Yeah. Like, and, I, and, and and we'll, we'll mention this in a minute. When when Celine comes back, she does. She even you know, kind of gets on Rand's case, saying you're letting them herd you like sheep. And and I feel like that's what's doing. They're trying to get them, you know, somewhere where there won't be people around to see. Yeah. And eventually gets them to the the edge of the foregate. Yeah. And they pro their plan probably would have worked if Celine hadn't shown back up. Yeah, what is up with that? Yeah, uh, it's very odd, is it not? I just mean, like, it's just hello, out of out of, <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, out out of nowhere, Celine just pops up <laughs> and is 
calm as a cucumber. Yeah. And apparently like, like completely aware of the situation and what is going on. Right. There are there are Trollocs trying to kill or capture, I guess they're Trollocs, they're trying to kill Rand and Loyal, and Celine is just completely level-headed about it. And, the- and, 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 and tie into that, she is supposed to be Carianian, right? Mm-hmm. We've already kind of established that a lot of people in Kyrian don't really believe in Trollocs, don't really know what Trollocs are. So you would think if someone who is from that that yeah. region saw an actual Trolloc, they wouldn't be so calm and collected. And I'm trying, I'm purposefully trying to sound that way myself because I'm over here freaking out. <laughs> about Celine. I don't, you know, we, we established last episode or an episode or two ago that we don't trust her. Uh, yeah. And this is all the more reason. Not to, I'll tell you one thing I was thinking about is that letter that Rand is carrying from her. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it keep, we keep having mentions of him touching that letter. And mm-hmm. it just kind of hit me this time because right before Celine showed up, we had another one of those references. So I'm kind of feeling like there's something going on here, like with Moraine's coins. <laughs> like it's some kind of like like she she knows where Rand is at all times. And yep. this just happens to be the moment she she decided to pop up. I don't know. I, I think you're probably <laughs> on to something there. I mean, it's a little too convenient. Uh, you know, and there's also the interesting little tidbit, you know, when Rand like ducks, tells everybody to duck behind the wall as they're trying to hide from the Trollocs and everything. And like, she doesn't like being like shoved. And so she like jabs him in the ribs and curses at him in a language that he doesn't recognize. Well, uh, the, you know, and he's like, don't you know, the Trollocs will kill us. And she's like, not caring at all. Like you said about the Trollocs, she, she's, she's more just... affronted by the fact that he got, she got shoved then then the trollocs might kill them like yeah. she has no fear of them at all which no. is horrifying and she even <laughs> you know she even later on you know when they're in the illuminator house you know it's like she goes back in where where, where the trollocs just were and i, I know we're, we're kind of jumping to to the end there but staying on the topic of celine you know she just disappears as suddenly as she appeared yeah so and yeah and, and to the point that I think Rand and Loyal consider the fact that there's nothing they can do. She might be dead because they just assume she ran into a group of Trollocs. Yeah. I mean, they want to go back, but they know they can't. And I think up until they arrive back at the inn and find a new letter from her, I think they are struggling with the idea that they might have just lost her. Yeah. Let's talk about that letter. Yeah. Um, Got to find find what was written in that letter because I should have had the page marked. Let's see. Here we go. You got it. Uh, yep. When I think I know what you're going to do, you do something else. You're a dangerous man. Perhaps it will not be long before we are together again. Think of the horn. Think of the glory. And think of me, for you are always mine. Well, she calls Rand a dangerous man. I think she's a pretty dangerous woman. Yep. Uh, she's but that's awfully just, possessive of Rand, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is. Uh, you are mine, <laughs> but but also there's the you know something we've been seeing from her from the uh, from the start is you know the think of the horn, think of the glory. 
Yeah. She's it's still trying that. she's still trying to push Rand to be the hero. Yep. Um and that that throughout the whole ordeal she's she's doing that. Even it to the point of, you know, when she first shows up, you know, she's ragging him about that that letter that she leaves at the end, she's talking about that. Yep. Um so there's something going on here. Um Yeah. Unfortunately, we still are left puzzled with her. Yeah, we don't have any you know, answers. We just have lots more questions. Yeah, I think we, you know, at this point, we should be suspicious. All right, if you're sure. if you're not suspicious at this point, I I don't know if you've been paying attention, but <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't give us answers. Maybe there are some theories we could propose. Um. But I'm suspicious of most of the people in this book until they give me a reason not to be. <laughs> that's probably that's probably a good uh, except except for fat innkeepers. I trust the yeah. fat innkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk. If if you're okay with moving on, let let's talk about the illuminators. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the last of what we have to talk about in this chapter. Yeah, tell us. T- Tell us about them. Okay. I I think we've heard the name before, but I think this is the first time we've really encountered them. Yeah, so the Illuminators are basically a craft guild, um, kind of like some people would, like a guild of blacksmiths or armorsmiths, but they specialize and are the only people in the known world who make fireworks. So... These are the people who have this in this world. This is just another indicator for people that sometimes when they think fantasy, they think like medieval, dark ages kind of thing. This is another indicator uh, for Jordan here. This is not a medieval world. This is a renaissance world. Okay. We have gunpowder. We have gunpowder. These people are the people who have the secrets of gunpowder. They use it in fireworks, but as we can see here with what Rand manages to do, it's still just as dangerous. It's just that nobody has thought to use it for anything but pretty flowers in the sky. And now I'm sitting here wondering if somebody is going to figure out that use of gunpowder before <laughs> the end of the series. Don't tell me. Don't tell me because I want to find out for myself. But now I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah. So the Illuminators are this secretive guild Uh Basically, if you try and learn their secrets, like they mention it in the first book, Matt tried to open a firecracker. Yeah. That one of the town council and they rig the fireworks to self detonate if you try to open one. Okay. So that no one can discover their secrets. Yeah. Uh, Loyal makes a point of the fact that the Illuminators are known to kill trespassers, not imprison them, not hurt them or arrest them, kill. Because but, their but secrets are that precious. Yeah, but but let's let, let let me ask this question: Illuminators or Trollocs? Um, if I'm in Rand's shoes, if it's me, if it's Rand and Loyal, and a group of Trollocs, this is not a whole fist. This is a group. I take the Trollocs. You take the Trollocs. I take the Trollocs because I've got a sword. I have a chance. Okay. I don't think because you can okay, so you take the chance with the illuminators, you try and uh, negotiate. Your negotiation fails, then what are you gonna do? You're gonna become a murderer and take that sword and turn it on actual people? Uh, because that's the choice you're left with if you I, don't manage to convince the illuminators. Okay. Okay. I just don't don't you know I guess you're right, you know. 
I don't know. I still think uh, I, I, yeah. I might have gone with the Illuminators. If you think uh, that the Illuminators would hear your plight, believe you, and be okay with it, then that's the way to go. Yeah. But I don't see that being the case. You could just open the door and say, like, look, they're Trollocs. <laughs> I'm trying to get away. Yeah. Uh, but how many of these Illuminators are going to realize what a Trolloc is or even know that Trollocs are a real thing and not some boogeyman? You know. Again, I, Obviously, I, op if you, if you, I'll open yeah. the door. Look, there's Trollocs. <laughs> yeah, if they give you the chance. Um, so. Just just look over over the wall. There, there, there. That's that's a Trolloc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rand. Um, first of all, I I really liked seeing this through Rand's eyes. There's still that innocence about fireworks. Yeah. I I really liked that. Um, but then yeah, he he makes things go boom, and yeah. it was pretty epic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much sets the place on fire. They managed to escape, so that's the good part, I guess. Yeah. And I'm pretty uh, sure they took out a few Trollocs with that boom, too. I, I think I think they got a few <laughs> Trollocs. Yeah. Trollocs, well, yeah. They, they they took those out, so. Because I think, I want to check real quick, because if I'm correct, yeah. All right, here we go. So, blinking, Rand staggered to his feet. This is right after he sets off the explosion, which basically leaves his, it's, Akin to like a grenade going off. His ears are ringing. He sounded like a thunderclap. He stared in amazement. Half the tubes and all of the racks lay on their side, and one corner of the building, beside which the Trollocs had stood, was simply gone. <laughs> Flames licking at ends of planks and rafters. Of the Trollocs, there was no sign. No sign of them. They, so they, they were disintegrated. <laughs> they're gone. They're gone. Took them out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Rand nearly kills them all. <laughs> but he got the trolleys. Yeah, but he got the trolleys by the sheer accident. That that that's that's the important thing. Yep. Um, but you know, thankfully they do make it out, and the story doesn't end there. They get back to the yeah. uh, defender of the dragon wall and have that note from Celine, which we've already discussed, and that's where the chapter ends. Uh, yeah. So I guess that takes us into chapter 28. Yeah. And we're getting a point of view we haven't been in in, in a little while. In chapter 28, a new thread in the pattern. Perrin and Ingtar discuss a being known to the wolves as Shadow Killer, only to be informed by Uno that there are Aielmen close by. And at that moment, a tall, sun-dark man steps out of the rocks, and though Ingtar is only concerned with the Trollocs, Matt and Varen help us learn more about the mysterious people who live in the threefold land. Uh, so we're in Perrin's head. Um, yeah, and we haven't we haven't seen uh, Perrin and Ingtar and Matt and Varen and all of these others in quite some time. But I, I always love the the Perrin chapters. Um, you know, I think I've I've mentioned before Perrin is one of my favorite characters. So I always enjoy the chapters, and and you know we get a little bit more from the wolves. Uh, yeah. In this case, I mean, not a, not a whole lot. I guess we get it all uh, kind of secondhand from Perrin. And uh, based on the way Perrin describes it, he's kind of getting it secondhand or thirdhand through several groups of wolves. But more on that in a minute. Perrin is noticing some things, right? Yeah, I think getting in Perrin's head here uh, is interesting because it just... To me, at least, it re-solidifies 
that Perrin, despite how he may appear to other people and how he may appear, uh, you know, some people might chalk him up as being more slow or yeah. uh, because he takes his time when he speaks well, or when he does things. And we've but, we've we've established that multiple times, how methodical and thoughtful Perrin is yeah. about everything. But that yeah. doesn't mean he's, you know, not intelligent. No, I think this this POV here really just drills home his level of intelligence. And more and more, as his bond with the wolves is developing, his instincts for people and situations is also expanding. Yeah. Like, he's becoming more perceptive of things that maybe Perrin, you know, several months ago would have overlooked. Yeah, um, I, I especially, and, and maybe there were others that I missed, but I picked up on two in particular, and that being uh, what he's noticing about Matt and mm-hmm. what he's inferring about Varen. Of course, Matt noticing that he, you know, doesn't look so well. Yeah, uh, not not he's still sick. acting like himself, but yeah. he's starting to show signs that. Things are not all well. Yeah, he's not he's not sick per se, but he is uh, a little bit paler. Uh, Perrin yeah. Perrin notices, and Varen has tried to heal him apparently uh, to little or no effect. Yeah, uh, really, without the dagger, all she can really do is just kind of. I think what she's able to do would be the equivalent of how Moraine is able to like give the horses more stamina to wash away tiredness, the simple everyday healings, it's not actually getting at the cause. Because without the, the dagger, there's really nothing she can do. Yeah. And 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 what's um what's Perrin's insight into what Varen may or may not know about Rand? He is pretty well convinced that she knows exactly what Rand is and is after him for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, I don't and, think there's a whole lot of doubt in his mind at this point right. Re- refresh my memory because i know this has come up before does does varen know oh varen knows everything okay. she was there with the omerlin when uh they told rand he was the dragon and i remember she found out the prophecies and i i remembered i remembered that she had figured out that the dragon had been reborn i i couldn't remember if she knew that it was rand yeah uh, she, or not she uh, you know, was talking with the Omerlin and Moraine, and she revealed that she knew that they were working together and knew everything that they were doing. Okay. And so then they brought her into it. So okay. when Rand approached the Omerlin, Varen was there as well. Okay, yeah, that that's coming back to me now. I just it just uh you know kind of faded yeah. out, and uh that's why I have you along, or why 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 you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say that like this whole podcast was my idea. Um, it's it was not. It was Stevens. But uh, <laughs> uh, we enjoy. I enjoy uh, your insight and your knowledge of these books. Um, Mention Rand, or or shout. Should we call him by his wolf name? Yeah, Shadow <laughs> Killer. Are, are are you sure it's not loyal? Uh, considering Loyal didn't kill anything until this, just now, yes, I'm pretty sure it's ran. Okay. All uh, right. Um, yeah. So, so we, we get introduced to this idea of Shadow Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what the wolves are calling him. Why are they calling him that? 
I mean, he basically attacks from the shadows these sleeping Trollocs. He undoes, you know, he single-handedly kills off this num these good number of Trollocs. Yeah. Um. You know, and there could also be something more to it. I mean, depending on if we think Rand is actually the dragon or not. I mean, if he's a dragon or the false dragon, maybe the wolves can tell. I hadn't thought about that possibility. I was just, yeah. I, I was basing it on the uh, the events, the action that we know about that, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, the, the Shinar and company had come across the place where Rand had attacked the Trollocs in the night. They had found yeah. that campsite and Perrin found out from the wolves pretty much what had happened. And they were calling him Shadow Killer. They're not afraid of him. Uh, more yeah, in all, they're, they're more in all of him. Yeah. Now the, the wolves do seem to have kind of this odd knowledge of thing because of the way their memories work and because of how not how things work with them. It's a very mental shared knowledge. Yeah. Um, not a hive mind per se, but it's very connected. Yeah. And a lot of the wolves remember things that have long since passed out of memory for normal people. They have very long memories. Now it's very faded and, you know, jumbled and garbled, but I mean, it's very possible that the wolves have in inclinations of who certain people are. Hadn't thought about that. Okay. And I'm, I'm just reaching, that's just a personal theory you're, there. You're, yeah. You're just, you're just speculating about that. Now, um, Perrin doesn't know who Shadow Killer is, right? No, Perrin what, has okay. no idea. He just thinks it's probably a man. Yeah, we just we, we just know because we know what the wolves are talking about because we saw that happen. Yes, uh, we saw when Rand did that, and so we're able to put the pieces together. Yep. Um, but yeah, Perrin still and every they, all they know is some a, a man that or or a, a do they even Perrin, know it's a man? Perrin thinks it's a man. Ingtar thinks it's some other creature of the shadow. Yeah, he does. That got into a, a fight with the, <laughs> with yeah, the Trollocs. He, he did mention a mirror draw. Yeah. Um, but Perrin, uh, yeah, was convinced uh, otherwise. Yeah. Um, but the I guess you could say the Shinar and Company is not alone in Kinslayer's Dagger. <laughs> no. Um, and let's make this very clear, real quick. Okay. If these, uh, if their friends here didn't want them to know they were there, they would not have known they yeah. were there. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Uno pretty much tells us that, doesn't he? Yep. He mentions that they are Aeomen in, in the, in the rocks, in the mountains. Yep. Uh, the wolves had mentioned there were men in the mountains too, but didn't specify anything further than that. Uno yeah, mentions there are the wolves, men are men. Yeah. Uno mentioned it's because he, he saw one, and Uno knows if you see the Aeoman, it's because he wants you to see him. And yeah. this one apparently really wants to be seen. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just he just steps out in front of them. Uh, yeah. He almost gets lanced down yeah, for Yeah, it. some of the Shinarans go taking off after him. Ingtar has to stop them before they do kill him. Um and we find out, I guess, really firsthand, finally, why people keep saying that Rand looks like an Aeoman. 
Yeah. Because this Aiel man looks like Ram. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it's Matt that it's Matt that comes up and, and mentions that. He kind of comes up to Pear inside and he says just that. He yeah. looks just like Rand. Yep. And uh that's uh He's Rand with a bit of a tan. Yeah, <laughs> Rand with a with Rand with a bit of a tan. <laughs> a little bit darker skin. Yep. Uh so So and that red hair is a pretty distinctive thing. So far, the only people we've met with red hair have been Aiel. Yeah. Not to say that there aren't other people that can have red hair, but so far in the books, the only redheads are Rand are, and this Aiel man. And, and, and the Aiel man. <laughs> um, light-colored eyes are a feature too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's something that comes up Yeah. Uh, several times. Um, but let's... All right, why are there Aiel west of the Dragon Wall? Isn't that the question? <laughs> because that's what they would all really like to know. Because that's, that's what everybody, I think, the, would like to know. The, the last time the Aiel wore this side of the Dragon Wall, they came to kill a king. <laughs> so why did they come this time? <laughs> this time they came looking. 13. They came looking for someone. Yeah. He who comes with the dawn, I think, is what they say. That is what they call him. Yep. So... Basically, it sounds like the Aiel are looking for some kind of prophesied person. Uh, and this particularly hmm. strikes the uh, fancy of Varen here when she starts to hear what he's saying. Um, oh, yeah. Varen has all kinds of questions. Yeah. Which is just like Varen. I mean, that is, that's her whole character's questions. Well, she is, <laughs> she is brown Aja. Yep. Um. But uh, it's very, very interesting here. You yeah. know, he's, he's come. He's unveiled, uh, and, you know, there's so much right here. Yeah, it, it, this, you know, we get some semblance of answers, but it's really more questions again. Yeah, so, you know, he, they ask him about the uh, the Trollocs, and he says he hasn't seen any Trollocs. <laughs> if he had seen if, Trollocs, they'd be dead Trollocs. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Matt mentions, um, well, the mention of Trollocs gets him to... Uh, speak, it says that the Trollocs coming out of the Blight is one of the signs that the prophecies speak of. When the Trollocs, he says, when the Trollocs come out of the Blight again, we will leave the threefold land and take back our places of old, which prompts Matt to ask about the threefold land, yeah. which is, is what people west of the Dragon Wall, uh, the threefold land to those west of the Dragon Wall is known as, as the Waste. Right. But to the Aiel, it's the threefold land. Um, and he mentioned, he actually mentions what that means, a shaping stone to make us a testing ground to prove our worth and a punishment for the sin, which raises another question. What's the sin? <laughs> um, only the wise ones and clan chiefs know. Yeah. Um, but Uriel is convinced that whatever they did, their punishment is just. Yeah, because it's whatever they did is bad enough that the wise ones and the clan chiefs will not speak of it to they, anyone yeah. else. So it must be bad. Hmm. <laughs> but I wonder how they know. <laughs> it would probably have something to do with this, with Ruidian, which that is another thing that piques Baron's interest. Uh, this, like every this, everything Uriel says brings more questions. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, he mentions wise ones. What is a wise what's one? What's a wise I mean, we one? We can we can figure out what a clan chief is. That makes sense. That that, that, but, that makes sense. But what's a wise one? 
Yeah, and we get a little inkling because he thinks Varen is one at first. He does, yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, I want to look for the exact mention. Okay. Why do you call me that? Do you take me for an Aiel? No, wise one, but you have the look of those who have made the journey to Ruidian and survived. Mm-hmm. The years do not touch the wise ones in the same way as other women or as they touch men. So we can, well, we, okay, I guess we can say that the, the years not touching them, that's the clue, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's only one group of people we've heard of so far that are described like that, and that's the Aes Sedai. Correct. So wise ones would be... I guess at this point, the, fir- the first thought we would probably have would be they would be the equivalent of Aes Sedai among the Aiel. Correct. <laughs> Basically, a sect of Wilders is what the Aes Sedai would call them. That's what they would say. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, so, Which, so they're, up they're until women... this moment, the Aes Sedai had no idea existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until this one little Aiel man just blabbed. <laughs> well... I, I'm judging by Varen's response. She knows about wise ones. Yeah, she but just I don't doesn't. Think she knew. She doesn't know that any of them can use the power. Yeah, because they they have the agelessness. So yeah. Um, what else do we get into here about the Aiel? Um, um, we talked about he who comes with the dawn. Uh, the. The reason that's the reason Uriel says they're beyond the dragon wall, they're searching for him. And the reason they stopped the Shinaran soldiers was because they thought, uh, maybe they had news of great events, things that might herald that he who comes with the dawn is has arrived. Uh, what else? Uh, they're apparently they have no fear of death because when Uriel is really unable to answer Varen's questions about Ruidian. He yeah. then asks her, are you going to kill me now? Because he thinks right. he's failed her. And then he even laughs a little bit at the idea. He says, I'm, I'm ready to dance with your lightning or something like that. Yeah. Um, the so. are this interesting warrior society, from what we were able to gather, that embraces battle and death in a way that is very strange to these Wetlanders, as they yeah. would be called. He was uh, he he was he was ready to fight uh, for yeah. sure. Oh, up until the point where Varen pops up, he's like everybody else. All you know, Perrin's got his hand on his axe and everything, and he's like, "I didn't come here for this, but if that's what you want, we can dance." <laughs> you say, <laughs> you know, if, "I'm ready." <laughs> if if you want to fight, we can fight. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting how he keeps referring to it as like a dance. Yeah, like the song of battle. It's. It's very uh, almost poetic. I was I was about to say there's something poetic about it. Yeah, the way that they they talk about warfare and fighting and, and things like that. So yeah. Um, so just to before we pass on into the next thing, I was just going to read through what he's looking for. So he okay, says, go for it. He's looking for he who comes with the dawn. It is said there will be great signs and portents of his coming. What are these signs? He said that we will know him when we hear of them, and we will know him when we see him, for he will be marked. He will come from the west, beyond the spine of the world, but he will be of our blood. He will go to Ruidian and lead us out of the threefold land. And then he takes, uh, he took his spear, 
And yes. he drew a symbol on the ground that was the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai. The Shinarans didn't really put two and two together, but Perrin, Matt, and Varen sure did. Yeah. Uh, Matt might be putting some other things together, too. Oh? <laughs> Are 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 we not re- are, are we not ready for that jet quite yet? Oh no! Uh, go ahead. Well, well, you know, the very end of the chapter, there's uh, this curiosity from Matt that Uriel could be talking about Rand, mm-hmm. and and he even you know he because he he remarks you know Ingtar thinks Rand's Aiel, and what is Rand if if Rand is Aiel? Where, but where is he? Where has he been raised up? Not in the threefold land, but um, yeah, right there uh, on their side of the dragon wall. So yeah. Matt, who you know, honestly, I, I might have expected less than Perrin. <laughs> Matt puts the pieces together, or, or starts to put some pieces together. He thinks he's putting some pieces together. Yeah, and, uh, I uh, guess I guess you know it ends it ends with it, as nothing more than a curiosity whether or not it's possible. We don't really get the answer. Um, well, for Matt, but for Varen, it ends with uh, I would almost say she's a little frightened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and you want to read that, Matt? Or? Yeah. So uh, she says it must be part, and yet how? Does the wheel of time weave threads into the pattern of which we know nothing? Which is terrifying for her, because knowing nothing is not good. Or does the dark one touch the pattern again? At that, Perrin felt a chill. And then Varen, the soldiers are already doing their thing and everything. And, like, she she basically, like, takes charge. (laughs) It's like, okay, we gotta hurry. We gotta hurry now. (laughs) (laughs) We we gotta get get moving. Yeah. I think it's... It's interesting to see how it kind of lights a fire under Varen. And that's where the chapter ends. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, that, I guess that's the one thing about shifting point of view with every chapter is we get to these these moments and it's going to be a while before we get them resolved. <laughs> uh, oh, we're, just wait. We're, we're wait shifting. until you go entire books without certain point of views. <laughs> oh, well, I've I've been there. <laughs> Uh, I've I've been there uh, in my own reading. We haven't quite gotten there yet, but uh, because but we're we're about to shift point of view again. Yeah. In chapter twenty nine, Sean Chan. <laughs> and for for years, I, I I never pronounced that right. I finally looked it up, and then listening to the audio book, I had it confirmed. It is oh. pronounced Sean Chan. Yeah, how did you pronounce it? Like Cian Chan or Cian? Ah. Yeah, something like that. Um, (laughs) But thankfully, Robert Jordan gave us a pronunciation guide for many words. Yep. And, uh, you know, we have the audio books, too, which the audio books, I've I've noticed, don't always go perfectly with the um, the (laughs) pronunciation guide. But Michael Kramer and Kate Redding... Do their best, um, yeah. but even with them, you will notice as time goes on, their pronunciations will change, yeah. and sometimes they'll change back. Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed uh, so, that already. Uh, uh, yeah. Just one and a half books in, I've noticed that. But yeah, um, but yeah, chapter twenty nine, Sean Chan, Jeff from Bornhold is dealing with the aftermath of the questioner's work in Almuth Plain, and does not like what he's seeing. 
Despite orders, he sets his eyes towards Falma, where he believes the real dark friends are. Through Baeldoman's eyes, we learn that the Shanchan have taken Falma and are quickly moving throughout the coastal cities. Doman's experiences with Shanchan teach us a great deal about these mysterious strangers, and Doman finds himself a guest of a Shanchan High Lord. I think we should divide this in half. We need to talk about the White Cloaks, and then we need to move on to our friend Baeldoman. Yeah, well, I've been saying this for multiple episodes that there were no white cloaks in the episode. Unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, this time I cannot say no white cloaks in this episode because here we are, we are in the head of a particular white cloak. Although I have to say, and, and and I think we've experienced this before, um, you know, of the white cloaks, Jeffrem Bornhold may be tolerable. He's he has he is the best of them that we have seen so far. He has a conscience. Yeah, and we he see that especially. Lunatic. He's a religious zealot, but he is not a lunatic or a uh, sociopath. Yeah, and, and we see that in this cha- in this chapter. This 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 little bit that we get from him. Um, because not only do we have white cloaks on Almuth Plain and Toman Head, um, we have questioners. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the questioners before. We've we've seen we we've been told about you know how they conduct things. Here we're getting to see it kind of, I guess, secondhand because we're not actually seeing it, but we're seeing the aftermath in this village and it's not a pretty picture nope so if white cloaks are the worst questioners are the worst of the worst i would have agreed with you you would have i would have okay except i'm going to buck your trend i don't think the white cloaks are the worst you don't no I think the people we meet in the second half of this chapter are the worst. I'll take a white cloak over a Sanchan any day. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. I don't know. I have to stick to my guns, though. Uh, the thing... I think the thing for me with with white cloaks is that they are the religious zealots. Yeah, they put on they're they're kind of, in my opinion, pharisaical. They put on the mask of being righteous in the light, but the things that they do don't that that that's why to me white cloaks are the worst. The Sean yeah. Chan, which we're going to talk about, I think they know exactly what they're doing, and they're not really trying to hide what they're doing. They know who they are, and so so that to me is where the difference is. Mm-hmm. I I, but, I understand that. I but just to think each the, their own. Yeah. Uh, but eat to each their own. I I have huge problems with hypocrites, and to me, that's what the white cloaks are. Yeah. They they put on the face of you know being the the hand of the light or the children of the light, but sometimes they're doing more of the dark one's work than than the work of the light. Yeah. So. And there may um, be reasons for that too. There may be. If you remember back to our uh, prologue for this book, 
That's true. Oh, I. you know what? I had not thought about that until this moment. Uh, but we did have a white cloak, and he was a questioner, wasn't he? He was. Uh, a, a man Boars. called Boars. Yep. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, because I had not even made <laughs> that connection. Um, yeah. So maybe we are starting to get some pieces put together. Uh, these questioners are awful. Oh, yes. By by uh, all means, they they're are doing some horrible. terrible things, even, you know, even killing children. Yeah. Uh, and we'll just say that for, for what it is. Um, but I, I guess the real question is, what's their goal? You know, yeah, I, I, I know I know what their stated goal is. To stamp out dark friends in Terabon and but as, but, but as 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 Bornhold points out, you know, he hasn't seen any evidence of actual dark friends. Yeah. He thinks the real dark friends are the Sean Chan over in, in Falma. Yep. But he and has seen a lot of very confusing things amongst the children of the light. Yes, he has. And and I picked up on that. Yeah. Um and, and it sounds to me like Carradin is trying to start a war. Yeah. Because he's got uh, his his men to the south. Let me pull up the map. Uh, his men to the south, in the direction of Tarabon, are wearing Domani cloaks. And his men towards the north, towards Eridomon, are wearing Terabonner clothing. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's trying to get those two countries to go to war with each other by thinking that, you know... The other is attacking them. The other is attacking people, you know, in their country or on their border. So that's what I see happening. And I think think our friend Jeffram sees it too. Yeah, to the point that by the end of his section here, he's going to go against orders. He's rallying his legion, and he's just going to tell the questioners to go kick a rock and go to (laughs) Falma. Yeah. Because he's, he's tired he's, of it, he ain't having it. He wants to go after the, what he sees as the real dark friends. And, and there, there is a really real threat in yeah. Falma. Yep. Um, but the questioners have been pushing everyone away from that for some reason. Hmm. I think I missed that detail, but I, I know yeah, that he's been he's been I, trying to push his men that direction, and they keep redirecting him. Okay. Other ways. I I don't think I picked up that that quite connection. I knew he was trying to keep Bornhold like around Almuth Plain and not yeah. going any further. I I didn't really put a connection of maybe. Are are you saying it might be intentional? Ah uh, yes, that's okay. what I think. That's what you think. Yeah. Uh, and if that's what you think, there's probably good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. I think um, there's three prongs to what's happening here. Okay. I think that. The questioners are trying to delay a confrontation with the Sean Chan. And I think they are, like you said, trying to start a war between Terabon and Eridamon. All right. So I think those those things are all happening here. But once again, we'll just have to see how it plays out, right? Right. But we're not done yet. No. Uh, We've we've been... There was one more thing I wanted to bring up before we left the White Cloaks. Yeah. Um, our friend Bayar. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he here. shows up again. He does. Um, and Bornhold is kind of conflicted about him. 
because he realizes that he's starting to like lean towards some of these questioner ways. But there is one little sliver of redeeming quality to Briar is that even he is not okay with what happens to the children. That's right. So, so. even the sociopath has limits. Yeah. <laughs> So um, that just tells you how bad the questioners are. He 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 gets like one brownie point for that. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't mean that as a as a, a good token for him. I'm just saying yeah. if if the shining standard of morality is the sociopath <laughs> by R, how bad can the questioners be? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're the worst of the worst. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the way that's the way it is. Yep. Um, but we got another threat to deal with. Yeah. We, uh, uh, and and, and we POVs again. <laughs> yeah, we, we we switch to a different point of view. We're back with our old friend Bale Doman. Yeah, this guy um, can't catch a break. Yeah, he's he's had <laughs> it rough. I mean, uh, you know, let's see, they. You know, he lands in Whitebridge with, was it Whitebridge? Well, before uh, he even gets to Whitebridge, he got chased out of Saldea by Trollocs. Got chased out of Saldea by Trollocs. He lands in Whitebridge with Rand, Matt, and uh, Tom Marilyn in tow. Yeah. Uh, that all goes to crap because there are Trollocs and Murdral in Whitebridge. He sells further south to Ilion and keeps having problems there. His men are winding up dead. He gets... um you know, that letter called, that's yeah, basically going to end up asked, with him dead. Asked to do a job, which is a, essentially delivering him as a dark friend. Yeah. And then he sails to the West instead of going East, like he had, you know, been contracted been to, to do. Yeah. And runs into the Sanchan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Navy, unlike any he's seen. <laughs> Yeah, the way their ships are described is incredible, and I, I don't remember the exact description, but it's it's a pretty impressive, uh, pretty impressive vessels that they have, and yeah. it's a pretty impressive uh, group of people. Um, they are quite threatening to a lot of people. People are afraid of them, and, and probably for good, good reason. reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, these guys walk pretty much like story. I mean, for people this far south that have no idea of like, like Trollocs are barely a, a whisper. Yeah. These people, the Shan Chan, basically are like stuff out of story and legends. Yeah. Monsters come to life. <laughs> yeah. But as uh, Dolmon keeps repeating, that's that's not my business. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we actually we got a little bit of information about them in um, in the previous section in Bornhold's point of view. I want to go back and uh, I've got the the quote, some of the things sure. written yeah. down. Um, and 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 he, I even have it, you know, in my notes that as as much of an issue as the questioners were, the 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 strangers, the Shan Chan, were a bigger problem from him. And here are some things that that we get from there. Uh, they call themselves. Hyaline, Hylina, Hyaline. Yeah. Uh, it means those who come before or the forerunners. Uh, they also use the name Ryagel, those who come home. And then they also speak of Corinna, the return. 
And I have this quote from Bornholt's point of view. It was almost enough to make him believe the tales of Arter Hawkwing's armies come back. And we've been hearing about that a lot. Yeah. These prophecies of, or, or these stories of those who went across the sea and were supposed to return. And I guess the rumor mill is getting around that that's who the Shan Chan are. Yeah. Cause so when his armies would have went across the sea, I could, I would need to check to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that would be 2000 years ago. Okay. So I think you're, I think you're right. Cause I think the Trolloc wars were a thousand years ago. And I want. I know one of them was about a thousand. One of them was about two thousand. I don't remember exactly. Okay. No. Then I got them swapped around. So Arthur Hawkwing would have been a thousand. Okay. So because he was after the Trolloc Wars. Okay. Before I, the War of the Ten Nations. Yeah. I, I just I remembered we had established that one was about a thousand. One was about two thousand. Yeah. So. So a thousand years. That's not a small chunk of time. No. That, that's that's a that's a good little. Yeah. It's a good little. I mean, think about our, our world a thousand years ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, think of how far we've come in a thousand years, and these people have come a long way in a thousand years, it seems. Uh, so what are they doing? Um, According to I mean, them, they're taking back what's theirs. I say that that's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's none of my business, but what are they doing? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, according to everything that they're saying, that this land is theirs by right. The people here were supposed to have been waiting for them to return, and that is not the case. And so now they are going to take back what is theirs. Well, I mean, I guess at least in, you know, if they really are Hawkwing's armies, or Hawkwing's descendants of Hawkwing's armies. Maybe they have, you know, there, there's something there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit better than, you know, European imperialism where they just showed up somewhere and say, hey, this is ours now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there is, you know, uh, to me, what they're doing is very imperialistic. It, yeah, it is. It's very you know, much, you know, they're colonizing. And, yeah, well, they're... Uh, they're they're going into these coastal towns. First of all, they're they're taking women, and we don't really know why. Uh, I think oh, we, we can. Have... I think we can speculate as to some reasons, but I don't think it's really confirmed for us. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that they're doing is they're going into these towns. They're you know, kind of overrunning things for a little while, and then when they've kind of got the people you know under thumb. They're putting, setting in new mayors. They're putting in new town councils, and yep. anyone who speaks against it, uh, well, you're you're out of here. Yeah. So they're basically coming in and they're spreading their their dogma. They're getting people to to take these these oaths or retake these oaths. Um, yeah. And pretty much setting up governments that will support them. And they're doing it uh, pretty efi- efficiently. Yeah, they they are nothing if not efficient. Because <laughs> they, they this they, I mean, when did we start hearing rumors of something going on to the west? Uh, it was I mean, the beginning, in, it was the beginning of this book, wasn't it? Yeah, we're we're talking several. It's been a couple weeks, right? But that's just the thing. How how much have they accomplished in a few weeks? Yeah. At most a month or two, I would say. 
yeah how much they've accomplished um one thing i wanted to bring up and i know there's some other more important points to think but some of the creatures yeah that they, okay the the one in particular that doman saw down by the dock was that a grown let me look. It, the description to me sounded very much like one. He he describes two different creatures. Well, there's there's one that's very cat-like. Yeah, it's like a cat mixed with a lizard. Yeah, that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the other one. Uh, yeah, I think it is, but I want to look and make sure. A thing. Okay, here we go. A hulking creature with a leathery gray hide and a beak of a mouth and a wedge-shaped head with three eyes. That is definitely a Grom. That's what it sounded like to me. Yep. <laughs> um, so, that just raises further questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, where did they get a Grom, and how did they tame a Grom, and... <laughs> or how did those that were in the mirror world get there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So many, so many questions. Um, yeah, there's... There's interesting things. Uh, there's one little tidbit I wanted to bring up before sure. we move on with uh, what's happening with Bell Doman. Ah, okay. So w- when they are coming into port, uh, right before he sees the Grom. All right, so Falma stood on the spit of land at the very tip of Toman Head with nothing further west of it except the Arth Ocean. High cliffs ran to the harbor mouth on both sides, and atop one of those where every ship... Uh, with where every ship running into the harbor had to pass under them stood the towers of the watchers over the waves. Mm-hmm. A cage hung over the side of one of the towers with a man sitting in it despondingly, legs hanging through the bars. Uh, and he asks who it is, and he's told that it is the first watcher. So, do you remember the watchers over the waves? Yeah, that, that name did uh, ring a bell for me as I was reading it and, um, you know, thinking about those that it can it was mentioned in um uh some of the the prophecies that Moraine was asking i forget the other sister's name mm-hmm. uh she was asking about Ma- and, and there was a, there was prophecy about that um yeah because they had the whole discussion over what they were supposed to be watching for right and and, and what what and there was that whole thing with the the wording and whether or not it meant the watchers over the waves or something else mm-hmm so these are the watchers over the waves. Yes. And apparently what they were supposed to be watching for was the Shanchan. Okay. And they did not. <laughs> <laughs> apparently. And and, and, and and the idea that I get is, you know, the the Shanchan had the idea that they were supposed to be watching for their return in celebration. Like mm-hmm. to celebrate the return. But I imagine after a thousand years, it had probably developed into watching for their return so we don't get caught off guard. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, the Sean Chan's expectation of what was supposed to happen when they got here was very different than what yeah. actually was here. Like, I think they expected to be met with, like, themselves. Like, long-lost relatives... Across right. the ocean, we come back, everybody, you know, we exchange hands, you give us back control because, you know, we're the rightful ones. Then we go hunky-dory on about our days and the kingdom is expanded and la-di-da. <laughs> Instead, they found a bunch of backwoods farmers and and sailors who had no idea who they were or what was happening. 
and the watchers who were supposed to be watching didn't do a good job and weren't looking for the right thing or the right reasons. And, uh, things, just, you know, things change after a thousand years. Yeah. I imagine the Sean Chan have changed in over a thousand years. Yeah. So apparently they have some capability with the power. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not my business. Yeah. So <laughs> what it appears to be is I said I on a leash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, at least that's what Doman. I mean, that, that's essentially what it is. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make it really any more palatable, but yeah, uh, the idea it's, of putting someone on a leash is yeah. very disturbing. But and they are not just leashed. And if that was it, that'd be one thing. But the way they are treated is they are property. Yeah, because yeah, um, a, a Gannon. Yep. Yeah, she. You know when when her. Domine is introduced, or Domini. Damani. Uh, Damani, that's right. Um, when she is introduced, she's she's proud of it. She's like, yeah, cost me a lot of money, you yeah. know. Usually it's only the blood, which is, I guess, like the royal family that yeah. can have them. But she, you know, you know, it's a big um, status symbol for her that yeah. she was able to buy a person. And she doesn't even view her as a person. Like, it's not... It's it's worse. They are just it's a thing. It's not even a yeah. person anymore. Yeah. It's a possession, it's, it's a tool. And that's really what it is. They're 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 tools yeah. to these people. Yep. Um Which that is why I think they're the worst. Because they well, you know what? They the the white cloaks, the worst they're gonna do is torture and kill you. Yeah. The Sean Chan will enslave you, break you, and take away your humanity and your freedom. Mm. That's why, to me, they are worse. That's, that's that's pretty that's pretty terrible, and I'm not going to take that away from you. Um, yeah, I've I've said my piece about the <laughs> about yeah. the white cloaks. It's it's for for again for me, it's not so much what they do. It's it's why they do it. It's yeah. why they do it, or or rather, the face they put on. Um, at least yeah. the. At least the Sean Chan, you, you know, what you see is what you get, pretty That's much. That's true. Uh, yeah, that, they are hypocrites. That, that is the thing that puts them above White Cloaks to me, even though what they're doing is terribly despicable. Um, yeah. You know, and again, not only do they have these these women already, they're taking more women. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we can probably guess why. Yeah. Uh, and they're, you know, pretty much running through the... The, these Western ports taking over. Um, we do get the chance to meet one of their, uh, one of their, I, I guess the main leader of this group. Yeah. The, the uh, high Lord Turok. Yeah. We don't know that he's in charge of the entirety, but we know that at least well, began reported to him. It was, it was mentioned um, of him. Oh, how was it? In, how was it worded? Uh, it said he leads those who come before. Okay, yeah. And suckers. The, so I, I took that to mean he's yep. the leader of, of this. You're correct. You know, he he's like the highest in charge of... He's he's not the leader of all the Sean Chan, but he's the leader of this group that's... Yes. That's he come. Is a, he is the one in charge of the return. Yeah. So yeah, you're so, right there. Um, But again, that's no my business. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and... uh. 
poor Doman. Oh, Bell Doman. Uh, poor guy. Yeah. Poor dude. He just uh, he's, he just kind of got caught up in all this. Yeah. Uh, I hate that for him. I hope he gets out. Yeah. Um, should we talk yeah. about? Or right, go ahead. No, it's uh something. You know, the whole reason yeah, he's just not let go is because poor Doman is a collector. Yeah, he is he a likes collector. Likes his knickknacks, and he had one specific one that has gotten him into trouble here. Well, you know what? And I think I think High Lord Turek's a collector too. Yeah, because he already <laughs> had one. <laughs> well, not only before before we talk about that, he had a huge collection. Yeah, of Quindiar pieces. Basically, enough. Doman says it's enough to buy a kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in one place. And but you know, he had he had one piece in his collection in particular. Yeah. And then again, it gives him another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, what we know to be one of the seals on the Dark One's prison. Yeah. So or now, should we say two of the seals on yeah. the Dark One's prison? So we got one seal broke that Moraine has the pieces of. And we have these two who are now both in one place in the hands of this Sean Chan Lord. <laughs> and, 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 Refresh my memory. How many seals are there? Seven. There are seven, and three are accounted for now. Yes. And two of them are in the same place, in the hands of somebody. We probably don't want them to be in the in the hands of the the very long nailed hands. Yeah. Uh, and lacquered nailed hands. Um, that you know that description of these these two lords was very interesting. Uh, I'm pick I picture it. Uh, you know, with the the shaved head or the half shaved head and the long fingernails, um, I guess just great world building again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but that's not a very comforting thought to think of those two seals in that one place. No, um, Sean Chan are very interesting. From what we're given here in the world building, they have a very like East Asian vibe to yeah. them. Yeah, uh, and they're decorating and they're dressing. Uh, but their speech pattern, um, for what I've understand doing research, uh, the speech pattern of them is different. It's very quick and like hard to understand, yeah. which is different. So it's this still, it's not one specific culture. It's this very, it's still a melting pot uh, with Jordan. He doesn't just take from one thing. He takes from multiple different cultures to, to make his world. <laughs> Which again, I think is just great world building. Yeah. Um. So is that going to do it for us this week? I think so. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, um, I'm I'm going to say it. Um, we did have white cloaks in this this episode, and I, I'm going to stick to my guns. White cloaks are still the worst. Questioners are the worst of the worst. But the Sean Chan are pretty bad too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it for now. You'll at allow least. it. Okay. You know, my mind might get changed at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, other than that, um, you know, once again, just more questions. I, I really want to figure out what's going on with Celine and yeah. how that's happening. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of new things. I mean, we, we pretty much met two new groups of people in this episode. 
you know, we've heard of the IEL before, but this is the first time we've actually met one. And we're meeting the Sean Chan in person as well. So, you know, the world's getting bigger. Yep. Uh, the people are getting more diverse. You know, the people were already pretty diverse between the different countries, but now it's coming even more so. And there's a lot of questions. Something is going on on Almuth Plain and in, in the West. So, I don't know. There's a lot... Uh, we're a little more than halfway through this book, and I feel like a lot of stuff's about to hit the fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something's going to. Yeah. So what about you? Any final thoughts from you? Uh, so much. Uh, you know, we meet two very distinctly different cultures in these chapters. We meet the Aiel for the first time, and we meet the yeah. Shan-Chan. Um, if you haven't been able to figure it out, I'm a bigger fan of the Aiel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of disturbing things in that last chapter, especially between the white cloaks and the Shan Chan. The world just got a lot darker, and it's not even from the dark one. It's just people, and that's I think something that doesn't get talked about enough. Like these fantasy books, a lot of times it's all about monsters and the big bad, and you know the Harry Potter, you know it's Voldemort and all that, but. In Jordan's books, sometimes the worst things are just done by everyday average people. Mm. Uh, the dark one, not even involved. Yeah. And I think these chapters kind of dig into that uh, and really show that this is a real world with people. There are good people. There are bad people. And it's a, a world full of choices. Yeah. You know, I, and I think. Some of the best storytelling I'm familiar with um, usually follows that pattern. Yeah. That, you know, I, two examples that I can think of and listeners, if there's, you know, I apologize if this gets spoilery for these two franchises, but The Walking Dead and Attack on Titan are two franchises where that very much became the story. Because at first you come in and you think there's this threat. It's the zombies. It's the Titans. You know, they're the the real danger. But as you get further into the story, you find out that the bigger threats are coming from other humans. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, the monsters are still there. The Dark One is still there. And the Trollocs and the Murdral and Drakkar and Dark Friends, they're still there. But there's this other enemy, and it may even be scarier. Yeah. Uh, so how do you really feel about the Shan Chan? Oh, I absolutely despise the Shan Chan. <laughs> uh, so, so Stephen says the Shan Chan are the worst. <laughs> At the very least, they do the worst things. Uh, I might be. I might would agree with you. I would agree with you on that so far, for yeah. sure. Um, still, I haven't seen our good buddy Narg. No, and honestly, I don't think we will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We 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 still might hold out hope. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere about book twelve, there's going to be a Trolloc and. <laughs> <laughs> you know what maybe uh, <laughs> we will definitely see uh anyway uh well listeners uh we've been at this for a while this week so uh, we're gonna go ahead and sign off here and say first of all thank you for joining us for this week's episode and uh you probably know by now that you can get new episodes every tuesday in your uh podcast provider of choice if you would if you're listening to us, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. 
Uh, go ahead and leave us uh, a rating. Uh, five stars are great, but you leave us what you think we deserve and leave us a review as well. Let us know how we're doing, anything that we can uh, do better, uh, you know, anything that you know you can think of that, that'll help us a lot as well. We're on uh, various social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, all of those uh, uh, handles and addresses can be found uh, in your show notes as you're listening to this episode. So go and uh, interact with us there. We would love to hear from you. Uh, give us comments. Uh, ask us questions. Uh, we we want to interact with you and get some feedback and, and things like that. So please uh, make sure that you... Uh, you Follow us and inter- interact. We also uh, do have an email address, uh, thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com. So hope that you will uh, reach out to us that way. Stephen, what are we discussing next week? Next week, we will be discussing chapters 30 through 33. All right. 30 through 33 for next week. So listeners, go ahead and... Um, Go ahead and read those and come back next Tuesday and be ready to uh, be ready for us to discuss it. Uh, if there's nothing else, uh, I guess we go ahead and say so long for this week. Hope you guys all have a wonderful week and uh, we look forward to talking with you again next time. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Varen apparently has um, tried to kill him, kill him, heal him. Yeah. Uh, That's going in the bloopers at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 